Hello and welcome to IEEE Soft Robotics Podcast. In this podcast, we are going to interview researchers from Pulse Academia and Industry about their work, thoughts, spectrum, and more beyond that. This is Marwa Edwini, and I hope you will find this podcast useful. If you would like to connect with us, simply send us, and we will be happy to hear from you. And here is my interview. Thanks. Hello and welcome to IEEE Soft Robots Podcast. Could you please introduce yourself? Yes, so my name is Gijs uh, Kreine. I'm a uh, full professor at the University of Twente in the Robotics and Mechatronics Group. Actually, I moved there from 2017 on. And my background is in microelectromechanical systems. So for a while, I have been uh, looking at possibilities to make all kinds of sensors and actuators by means of uh, thin film technologies, IC technologies. Mm-hmm. However, a couple of years ago, I decided to uh, move over and to look into the possibilities to use additive manufacturing mm-hmm. or 3D printing, if you like, to make structures which can be both like structural parts as well as have embedded sensing. And so that's what my current interest uh, really is focused on. It's how to use 3D printing to make structures which have embedded sensing where you can measure, for example, mechanical loads, mechanical moments, um, all kind of, of, of things that are could or could be interesting in principle for being used in prosthetics or robotics mm-hmm. parts. Great. So I would like to go back when you were a child. Have you ever heard about robotics in general and what is really resonating to you if you heard about it? Well, I was never not, uh, I was never so much into robotics, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I, I just um, explained that I came from a somewhat different uh, uh, area before moving in, into this, this robotics and mechatronics group. So um, <clears throat> it's not that robotics has always sparked my, my, my imagination or so. And if I look back at, um, well, let's say during my childhood, when I was thinking about robots, it was mostly about machines. It was more, I think I had more of, of, of a mechatronic sort of, of, of impression than a uh, rather uh, evolved idea about what robotics is and what it could be in the future. Mm-hmm. Great. So since you are part of Soft Robotic Consortium, uh, as a Dutch uh, uh, consortium, how you would envision the soft robotics definition from your perspective? And what are the most important questions should be considered while doing this research? Yeah, um, it's, it's a good question because uh, for, for me, uh, soft robotics is, is very much related to the materials and, and the way you, you try to make your structures and, and your actuation and so on. But of course, I think in, it has a, a far more um, let's say open definition where you would say, okay, it, it are all those robotic structures which by either control or the structure or anyhow are able to cooperate in environments which are not particularly structured for, for their use. So mm-hmm. you can think about uh, collaboration between robots and, 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 and people, for example. So anything that, that could behave in a very, um, I'd say, safe way um, and then without destroying things or being danger to the environment probably could be, well, part of, of some robotics, I would say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So since he, there is a lot of inspiration, and I see that there is soft robotics biology, and if I ask you what is the most inspiring living creature for you when you design the work, and also what is the most beautiful, profound equation as well inspires you while you do this work? Yeah, for me, um, I've been lucky enough to, to be um, working together with an um, entomologist from France, mm-hmm. uh, Professor Jérôme Cassin. 
And so in, in the past uh, 10 years or so, I've been working both on uh, cricket-inspired flow sensing as well as on moth-inspired um, uh, pheromone sensing. And to me, I mean, there are so many beautiful animals in, in, in nature which could be, um, uh, could, could, could be very inspiring. Mm -hmm. But I really like the fact that I can be collaborating with people who know a lot about these creatures as well. So in that sense, um, I like a lot what we have done on, on the basis of, of uh, insights on, on biology of crickets, uh, how that works, as well uh, on, on how things work around uh, moth and moth antenna and how they can perceive pheromones and so on. So um, maybe maybe it's a little bit of a short-sighted answer, but it's, it's actually the thing that I'm working on and where I get the ability or where I get the opportunity to get to know more about these creatures uh, mm. through the eyes of a biologist, which is really inspiring. Great. And for the most beautiful, profound equation, you already inspires you in your work. What, is, what could be this equation? Um, well, there are various equations that, that, that uh, play a role in the work that I do. So, for example, if you look at uh, our concentrations depend on time and um, on, on diffusion and, mm. and um, how it can, uh, how concentrations of materials can, can actually be taken with uh, flows of, of, of air, for example. Uh, but comparable equations you can find for, for example, production uh, of, of, of heat. Um, but I've also been teaching for a while uh, fields and waves, which is on electrodynamics. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that also, for example, the, the Maxwell equations are something really beautiful to work with and mm -hmm. um, have a wealth of phenomena, which uh, if you dive into these, these equations, um, as a world by itself almost. Great. So if I ask you what is the most uh, interesting part of your work doing in soft robotics or something you're still working on? and maybe challenging or interesting to do, to endeavor more in soft robotics? Yeah. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm coming from the point of, of uh, microelectromechanical systems now, looking at the 3D printed structures. So there's uh, basically two important things which, which I like working on right now, and which we think we should also get more insight uh, into. Uh, one is that if, if you put layers of material on top of each other, like mm -hmm. what you do in 3D printing, then the electrical properties, if you're talking about electrical conductive filaments, mm -hmm. uh, electrical properties of those 3D printed materials are actually quite um, anisotropic. Um, between each two layers, you will actually have some sort of resistance, which also establishes then a capacitance. So actually, before you know it, the things that we try to print, and uh, which should be like like simple conductors, turn out to be uh, electrical networks. And that's something that I really like to, to fully understand, but also to exploit, because I think there are yeah. nice opportunities there. The other thing is that uh, talking about soft robotics, talking about the things that we are currently printing, this is mostly by means of flexible uh, plastic materials. And um, these materials have all kinds of interesting uh, properties, but they're also highly nonlinear. They, uh, they show creep, they show hysteresis. And one of the um, uh, master thesis works that we currently have is on understanding this and describing these, these uh, hysteretic uh, effects. Mm -hmm. and also being able to um, uh, basically make linearization which allows us to use the the signals that we can actually have from these rather poor sensors but uh, sensors which uh, hopefully if you have the right corrections for example will still be very useful 
Mm -hmm. um, on another note, I think what is also very interesting is that if, if we look at nature again, um, if, if, if I look how many creatures actually function pretty well, uh, including uh, humankind, I would say that uh, we have many poor sensors in our in our body, right? Sensors that are non-linear, sensors that uh, if, if, if you touch something for, for, for a certain while, for example, uh, in the beginning you feel something, but the longer you keep your, your, your fingers in the same place, you actually feel that the feeling is going, sort of. So uh, these are all effects which are part of, of, of the sensors that we have in our uh, bodies. And still we know quite well how to use that. So. I'm also very much intrigued by the fact that um, if we do things the engineering way, we might come a long way. Mm -hmm. uh, but apparently, biology is doing things so much differently. And I would be very happy if we somehow could tap into all the possibilities that nature is giving us. That's super interesting because I would like to ask a question. Do you think, as a researcher, we fully understand the physics behind smart material? Actually, how that is the most important thing, like hysteresis in the material, sometimes is neglected. And for example, you said anisotropic material, and most of the facts we will avoid this kind of material has different measurement at different places. But having said that, do you think how much of level of understanding is required when you do this kind of work? Do you think we fully understand, or still we have a lot of work in this regard of understanding this material behavior? Well, I think it would certainly be beneficial. The more we know, the better it is, absolutely. Then at the same time, of course, we also know that nowadays we have very interesting uh, possibilities in, in, in the form of artific uh, artificial intelligence, for example, mm -hmm. where we can, can have uh, um, self-learning systems and, and where probably we can think about uh, computerized interfaces that uh, learn with, to, to work with the, uh, the sensors that we have despite their poor performance. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's certainly um, um, an important uh, future for these kind of applications. Still, I think it, it's also important to understand the materials and, and um, at the same time look at, at, at how we can optimize what we got from these materials. Um, and if we are talking, for example, in terms of sensing, uh, it's nice to have many, many sensors and have a distributed uh, network of sensors. Mm. At the same time, of course, that makes interfacing and the entire uh, control also more complicated. So um, I think there's still yeah, a strong benefit and also better understanding of the materials and making better use of it. Mm -hmm. And how do you see this integration between like machine learning to, and, and this model of the smart materials or better sensor? Do you think that we have to fit it with how many, uh, I mean, the percentage of data set you require? It is how you manage this kind of compromising between Still, we need don't fully understand, and we need to predict these models in, in kind of application. How do you see this compromisation or integration between the two fields? Yeah, I have to be careful there because this is this is certainly something which is outside my my, my own field of expertise. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I mean, I, I can see the people who, who say, okay, yes, uh, nice if you have these complicated sensors and distributed and all, but but what, what sort of training sets should you yeah. produce to make them operational? And uh, how much can we actually do before we, we get something like this to work? Um, I think that, that that's a good question, how we can um, devise 
procedures to 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 make this as as uh, as fast and 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 good as possible. At the same time, in my own research group in the robotics and mechatronics group here at the University of Twente, we also have examples where um, we actually can have sort of the the the, uh, the learning, the artificial learning uh, in 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 machine uh, um, yeah, machine environments, and um, then basically trans transform that or transfer that to to the actual uh, systems. So there's also some hope that if we have a good descriptions of what the materials do, not necessarily uh, how they behave under under all different circumstances, but if we have a good understanding of the materials on, a, so let's say, a localized, uh, let's say, a loading sort of, of, of uh, response, then my hope is that uh, using sort of simulation environments that we can also do on, on let's say, the robotics, so on the, the mechatronic or the, the control part, that we can do the um, uh, let's say the machine learning uh, in computers and, and, and then take it from there. Mm -hmm. Great. So since you're expert in fabrication, um, I would like to ask you what do you think the biggest technological roadblocks to have fully soft robotics in terms of if we speak in that, imagine that we have needs for certain application fully soft robots. What do you think challenging maybe in the in a long term or in a short term for fabricating this kind of soft, fully soft robotics? Yeah, well, it's um, if, if you look around in, in, in uh, examples of, of soft robotic structures or soft robots, then you find that many of those um, uh, robots are actually uh, actuated by either pneumatic mm. or hydraulic uh, systems, yeah. which by itself is, is uh, leading to wonderful uh, results, I guess. But once you want to have robots that are more autonomous and that are, are, are really soft, I think that uh, having like a compressor or something like that um, it's not the thing that you want. Exactly. So in, 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 in my mind, I think that uh, the, the, the biggest question at the moment, <clears throat> actually are two questions. One question is how to uh, create actuation on a uh, sort of local scale where you don't need like like a, a compressor to being carried with the robot. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one thing. The other point is how to uh, to store energy and get energy from the environment and, and make also, of course, uh, robots energy efficient so that you have uh, more autonomy in your robots. Mm -hmm. I think this is also interesting point because uh, when we speak like smart material, for example, any conductive polymer still is not really meeting the expectation in terms of the force or strain and, and can be used as sensing. But that's why it's it's tricky now because some some researchers focus on using pneumatic uh, as a solution for that. But do you think how you expect this kind of material can be enhanced to meet requirement in terms of the force or strain? Do you think this is couldn't be achieved or or if we speak about having fully autonomous soft robotics and we don't have this external pneumatic system in the future. Do you think this is a cha challenging or we can achieve that? Well, we know that it can be achieved because, I mean, nature is, is doing it all the time, mm. right? So, yeah. so uh, there are beautiful examples of, of octopus and, and, and uh, yeah. where basically also, for example, uh, um, was work of, of the group of, of uh, Professor Lewis at Harvard, where, where they made a, um, um, yeah, a, a robotic octopus, which actually was um, uh, powered by a chemical reaction mm. uh, from, from ingredients that were uh, actually in, in the fluid in which it was uh, moving. Also having a fluidic uh, sort of, of uh, logic 
structure. Um, so, so basically, where you could say that the electrons have been being displaced or, or currents have been displaced by flows of, of uh, fluid. So um, I think there are many interesting opportunities, um, but we, we still have to to, uh, yeah, to learn to understand a lot of these uh, things mm -hmm. and, and make them uh, useful in, in the robotics. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, if, you, if you're talking about uh, doing work, uh, work, uh, I mean, like in the physical sense, um, that, of course, is, is very much depending on, on stiffness or more, more generally, you could say, on, on the mechanical impedance. And this is something where, for example, uh, in our own bodies, uh, in our arms or so, we, we, we have possibilities to uh, change the stiffness of our, of our limbs, uh, which is really helpful in all kinds of things that we are doing. And the point is, of course, that if you have only very soft structures, the question is, what is the, the, the stiffest structure that you can make? Because mm. that in some uh, aspects uh, will also determine your mechanical impedance, and that mechanical impedance is going to be important in terms of what you can do and can't do in the physical world around you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. So if I ask you about intelligence and soft robotics, or robotic in general, how, how you would see it from your experience? Well, there's not a lot that I can answer here from, from my experience because, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm not so much in, in, into uh, robots and, and, and programming robots. But if I look at what my colleagues are doing, if I look what our students are doing, I see that they can spend literally a master thesis work on um, programming a very small part of what a robot can do. Mm. And I think this is something that eventually cannot cannot be sustained. Uh, we need to come mm. to the different ways to 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 control robots, to program robots, uh, and I think that artificial intelligence is one of the approaches that we need to go into because otherwise it, it takes literally centuries before we can can have uh, robots doing the same things that we are capable of. Yeah, and concerning emotion, since you highlighted about the sensing capabilities of soft robotics, do you think this is something you ever think about how we can having a sensor can also have this kind of emotion? There are some articles like some people design soft robotics to feel pain, and uh, maybe it sounds a title hoax a little bit because no one knows how exactly the pain unless one have uh, faced it already. But do you, do you have this kind of thoughts about integration, emotion, and the sensory design, or something still far beyond uh, the current research? Well, first of all, if it can be done, if, if a robot can have emotions, then it's still, I think, up to the designers of the robots to, to decide if they want to um, have the robot to have emotions or not. Um, but that, that, of course, doesn't answer the question if, if robots could have uh, emotions or not. But I, I mean, um, I, I don't want to rule that out. If we're talking about self-learning systems, about artificial intelligence and so on, um, there is no, or at least for me, I think there's no reason uh, upfront to rule out that there could be sort of emerging sort of uh, emotions or so. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what that would be looking like, but um, um, I think at this moment, it's, it's not something, it's, it's not a question that I thought about a lot. And um, I don't think it will happen overnight. And I don't think it will happen without us wanting it to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So about the control aspect, you see that sometimes it not could sustain. Uh, and that's why I'm asking you, do you think that which approach we have to go for? It's like 
we have to still control uh, passive material and make it function certain application or just we have to go more in aspect of design smart materials and we don't need to this kind of control again uh, how do you see which approach the community maybe have to focus on uh, and maybe promising in, in a longer term yeah well I'm, I'm again i don't feel that i'm i'm in a position to say where the community should go because this is really not my, my expertise um but i think it has been said by many people that if, if you have the more classical robots you have uh, a number of, of of joints and so on so the number of of um, uh, degrees of freedom that you have is actually limited mm. and you can still think about uh, uh, approaches that can handle this limited number of degrees of freedom if we are looking into soft robotics with all the deformations that that uh, can, can can happen with the structures that we have where actually we wouldn't know from one moment till the other if there is actually a change of the structure or not um, only uh, we, we can notice if we have sufficient number of sensors and so on and then still so, of course also having limited possibilities for actuation um, I think that uh, it, it might be in, in the end um, at least extremely challenging if not impossible to uh, come up with with uh, this, this sort of control schemes like for in a more classical way mm. so uh, i really would think that um, also here uh, learning self-learning systems and artificial intelligence will be necessary to deal with this sort of complexity mm -hmm. yeah so i would like to skip out uh speak in different language because i think since soft robotics is it's really emergent from different aspects and different uh, disciplines do you think that communication between different languages is a challenging? Because I, I, that's something I think is raised a lot of time that maybe I don't understand the language of material science or electrical engineering. Mm -hmm. Do you think this are really challenges or, uh, or not from your experience? And if it's a challenge, what could be done to make it diffuse these challenges of speaking different language? Yeah, it's absolutely challenging and um, I have had the uh, opportunity to work together, like I said before, with the biologists mm -hmm. uh, over the last 10-15 years or so. And, and we, do, uh, we do speak a different language, but if you at some point in time have the same objectives, if you are collaborating in projects and uh, sometimes even through a sort of, um, let's say, common mathematical uh, expressions. So, so, I mean, of course, there's biophysics, mm -hmm. biophysicists that, that look into how things work and connecting it to, to uh, the biological uh, uh, points of, of, of interest. And uh, for me, I'm, I'm, my background is more in engineering, so I had more like an engineering uh, take on things, but, but looking uh, at, at the same uh, the same organism or the same same uh, species and, and, and having the same questions and discussing that actually helps a lot. Um, it requires, though, that you are, um, how to say, a bit uh, um, flexible in, 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 uh, in your communication with other people mm -hmm. in the sense that, yes, some people will express things in different ways and sometimes in the language that we are used to, it might not make sense. Um, but if, if we give each other the, the, the doubt of the benefit, for the benefit of the doubt and um, uh, are, are um, willing to, to, to listen to each other and to do something together, I think that will help you to, um, uh, to cross those, those language barriers. And it can certainly be done, but what we need to do is to work together in collaborative projects. Yeah. 
what I've seen too much in, in, in the past is uh, where engineers would take a uh, maybe a book or, or, or an article or a paper on some kind of, of, uh, of animal and then had the idea, okay, I'm, I sort of understand now what this animal is doing, so now I'm going to make my bio-inspired uh, uh, um, uh, alternative of this. And actually sort of miscomprehending what was actually uh, important for, for the biological uh, system. And these errors, you can only uh, prevent to, 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 to make them by working together with the right people, I would say. Yeah, that's truly important. Yeah, I can't agree more with that. So if I ask you what is the most upcoming interesting project uh, you involved in soft robotics? You're planning to or you're currently working on upcoming projects? Um, well, I've, I've, I've currently a number of projects that, that, that we are working on, which, which are already very interesting. Um, so I already mentioned uh, the linearization of, yeah. of the, these, these nonlinear aspects of, of uh, 3D printed sensors. Um, all the things that we're looking into is, is um, how we can use our senses in, in, in flexible wearable robotics parts, um, which, which is interesting. Of course, our collaboration in the 4TU uh, program, yeah. Soft Robotics, which is uh, very interesting and nice. Uh, but also, um, soon I will be starting a project where we are going to make some, some meta or not make, we are actually going to research mm -hmm. possibilities for 3D printed sensors uh, to be used in, in um, operations where uh, people get a knee replacement. And I think mm -hmm. this is also very exciting because it also brings sort of work that we do into a very application uh, oriented uh, framework um, which i think is, is is good and also should happen mm -hmm. um, then other things are related to how our senses can be used for um, uh, rehabilitation purposes for example in measuring forces on fingertips and then um, trying to, to um, estimate what the work is that is done by, by a hand or by the fingers of a hand, for example. And then you can think about how this could uh, be helpful for uh, stroke affected uh, uh, persons. So this is also very interesting. So, so it, it's basically on the, um, let's say, the, the, the intersection of, of what we can do mm -hmm. with, with our 3D printed sensors and what you, what you need to do in medical uh, applications. That, that's where I find many um, exciting uh, projects, I think. Yeah, sounds very cool. So if you look back in this, when you started working uh, in designing this sensor of Brigade them, how do you see the progress of soft robotics in general? When you look to the field and you see what you've done and compare what have been done in in, in last decade, how do you see this progress? Is it linear, exponential? How you imagine this progress so far? Uh, I find it hard to judge because uh, first of all, the, the let's say the additive uh, the additive uh, uh, manufacturing community is a very dispersed uh, community mm -hmm. where you have. Um, um, let's say all kinds of different materials, different kinds of, of uh, 3D, um, uh, 3D printing machines and so on. Um, and then so um, uh, it, it's not yet that we already have, let's, let's say, an established 
community on uh, 3D printed mm -hmm. and embedded sensors for soft robotics applications or so. Mm -hmm. So so we are really in, in, I think, in a time where these sort of communities are starting to, uh, to form, where we have, for example, special uh, focus sessions at regular sensor conferences and so on. Um, so I think it's 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 uh, it's nice. I, if I look in in the literature, I think I started this work like three or four years ago, and since then I've been uh, looking at the literature, and I think that the number of uh, papers that that are actually written on 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 three D printed structures for for uh, robotics and then having integrated uh, sensing and so on is actually growing. I wouldn't say uh, exponentially, but I think it's 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 growing linearly or so. Um, I think there's still a lot to be done, and then uh, many people working on other types of robotics, maybe not yet feeling uh, tempted to, to look more into soft robotics. But I certainly have the feeling that it's a growing field. Yeah, yeah. So I would like to ask you about this one. Uh, we have Professor jo George Weissuds, and he said that nonlinearity can bring opportunities to soft robotics like buckling and others. Do, do you think that traditional controllers used? Uh, approaches can destroy uh, the natural dynamics of robotics because you say that there's hysteresis and, and, and isotropic sometimes it's different from isotropic material. Do, do you think this control approach can destroy the natural dynamics or not? Well, uh, again, I'm, I'm not a control specialist, so uh, I don't think that, that uh, or I have no, no real, uh, how to say, opinion on yeah. if, if control can, can kill nonlinearity. But what I can say, though, is I think that um, um, as engineers, we quite often we are looking into possibilities to do away with nonlinearity. Um, like also an example that I just gave before, that we tried to linearize the output of a, of a 3D yeah. printed sensor. Um, at the same time, there are so many interesting schemes, like, like for example, uh, stochastic uh, resonance, and we have shown in the past uh, is something which we called electromechanical amplitude modulation, where actually the nonlinearity and the interaction of, of multiple signals in, in nonlinear systems is bringing about a sort of, 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 of um, um, I'd say, evolving behavior, which is so much interesting and gives us so many more possibilities for, for getting things done um, that um, if you say are, are, are nonlinearities overlooked too much, then I would certainly agree on that statement because I think that the world of engineering is, is focused a lot on, on linear mm. systems and linear approximations where the nonlinearity is actually as a richness, which is, is, is only very little um, um, utilized, I would say. Yeah, true. So if I ask you about the future, when you sit some time and imagine how you imagine your embedded sensors would, would be looks like, do you have this kind of uh, futuristic thoughts or you are still in the present? Um, well, I, I do have, have uh, of course, thoughts about the, the future. What I, what I see happening is that um, uh, our printers will get better and better. Mm -hmm. uh, what you now have are some printers can, can, can print things on, on a really small scale with, with, with a very high detail, but they can't print it uh, in large volumes. 
we have machines that can print conductive parts, uh, but not, for example, with, with the high resolution and so on. And I think there will be a sort of convergence where some of the good properties of one sort of printing are going to be combined with uh, other materials and other printing uh, possibilities. So I, I see a, um, a maybe slow but gradual increase in possibilities with what, about what we can do with our 3D printed um, and, and uh, additively manufactured uh, structures. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, the idea is that once you have this technology in place, and it's only your 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 own um, imagination which which sorts of limits you, mm -hmm. because if you can make anything in three D space, um, then what would keep you for from from making uh, the most exciting and 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 creative uh, structures? Mm -hmm. right. So about ethics and regulations of robotics or robotics when you deal with kind of specialty material, do you think uh, ethics is fully considered in our research? Or we have to come up with a plan for regulating this uh, kind of material we use, make sure it's not toxic as well. How, how do you see this kind of aspect, ethics and regulation, incorporated in our research? I'm not sure that software robotics should ask for a different approach than we always do, in the sense that uh, we should always be aware of the ethics in the things that we are doing. We should always try to to make sure as good as possible that whatever we do is, is not harming yeah. uh, any humans or any animals or is bad for the environment. Uh, when it comes to regulations, I'm, I'm not sure it's, it's much too early to come to regulations, I think. First of all, you might wonder um, if we want to have uh, many regulations. Uh, but maybe it turns out in the end that we need some. But if we need some, then we, we first should think uh, carefully about what we should regulate. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm not sure we are there yet, uh, that, that we need to do that. But of course, the ethical uh, aspects uh, always need to deserve our attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if I ask you how, as we are researching academia, how we make sure that uh, developed robots or soft robotics in general is going to be beneficial to humanity as a whole? how we can consider that in our research, because if we have like a BT project for four years uh, or any project, how do you think this can be um, implemented uh, in our work? Mm, good question. Um, I believe that a lot of our research is actually driven by curiosity, uh, by, by trying new things. Um, and of course, yes, we, we, we do find all kinds of, of uh, applications which sort of, of um, um, how to say, um, yeah, allow us or, or, or give us the, the um, I'm, I'm looking for a word here, but, but uh, basically allowing us to, to defend that we are doing the things that we are doing. And then, of course, also with the things that I'm doing in my research, I have many applications uh, in mind many applications that could be beneficial that at some time um, uh, could, could be an application. Still, if, if I weren't interested in the thing itself, then, then I guess it wouldn't fly. So um, I think for at least some of our research, and, and, and I feel that for my own research, it's also uh, a lot curiosity driven. Mm -hmm. And where we have, it's not that we have the applications as an excuse. Uh, I don't think it's, it's that way. Uh, but it's not that, that I'm always uh, fully focused on the applications. I'm, I'm, I'm also pretty much interested in, in the physics of it, in, in, in solving all kinds of, of, of challenges and, and, and puzzles that we have, which is fun by itself. And uh, of course, 
I, I, uh, I have a strong belief that if we solve all these things, that we have something which is useful mm-hmm. for applications as well. Mm-hmm. And if I ask you about innovation and work, where does mostly come from? Just so how to make sure you inspired and make you sure you're innovative. For you, how, how you get this inspiration or innovation mostly? Um, well, actually, this is one of the fun things because um, if, if, if you say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make 3D printed structures which have sensing and so on, then uh, there are many people that if you say something like this, they get triggered like, but if you're doing this, couldn't you have a structure that does this? Or mm-hmm. what if you could do that? So um, I, I, over the last few years, I've actually found that uh, quite often people come to me yeah. and uh, ask about uh, um, specific uh, uh, possibilities. And that makes you thinking as well. So um, uh, in that sense, uh, it's not that I always look at, at applications and innovation, but it's also uh, the fact that you're working on these things and, and, and something that triggers the minds of other people as well. And that, that helps also to, to think in terms of applications. Yeah. So when when you speak to people outside the field uh, about robotics, how they engage you? Or, uh, for example, in the, in, as a consortium, I see there's a lot of, of outreach work about soft robotics. So how you make sure this engagement is... is is done with general public or lay people to be uh, interested in robotics potential? Uh, yeah, good question. I think it's it's really important. And, and also in the 4TU soft robotics program, uh, we, we certainly uh, pay attention to that. As the robotics and mechatronics group at the University, the University of Trent, of course, we have our open days and we have mm-hmm. quite often visitors to the lab uh, amongst, amongst uh, those also uh, on a regular basis, young people from high school and so on. So um, I think we're, we're doing a bit, um, uh, so to speak, bit by bit in order to, uh, to, to, to let the people that are interested, let them know what we are doing, why we are doing it, and, and what, what the potential is of things that we are doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, about AI and, and the potential in, in designing the sensors and shape. Uh, do you think that we have to come up with terminology uh, if we speak about artificial intelligence, embedded suite sensor and fabrication, and especially what's really interesting about generative design concept where we can have a multiple design and setting the constraint and what we're looking for. H- how do you see this potential uh, about that? Do you, do you have to come up with terminology for the field? And yeah, if you have any thoughts about these integrations. Um, I didn't think so much about that. Um, I think what we see normally is that when things have a very specific uh, combination of ingredients, which makes it unique, then then we we come up with new names. Um, And then again, still, if we have new names, we still need to explain it in terms of the things that people know. Mm -hmm. So uh, until the moment that it sort of of starts to to, to create its, uh, its own life, so to speak, um, so I, I think uh, we will notice over time if, if, if we need to or if we can explain ourselves much better if we have like a single sort of name for the things that we are doing. But uh, up till that time, I think we just explained how we combine things mm-hmm. in our work and um, hopefully from there get people enthusiastic. Yeah. Uh, so um, again about uh, the soft robotics and robotics in general. In the future, as, as you human being, are you concerned about 
robots could really replace uh, the jobs of many people. And if we say it another way, because most of the company is based on capitalism. So do you think this kind of capitalism and socialism can be integrated while making sure that advanced robotics is not going to lead social inequality? Do you think that we have to be concerned about this aspect and while we're developing advanced robotics or soft robotics in general? Mm -hmm. um, well, I, th I think that soft robotics is, is not... not um, um, let me rephrase that. If you look at the more traditional robotics, of course, there's a lot that, that happens actually in, in, in factories and so on. And um, uh, these, these robots are taking over work from, from, from uh, people. If I think about soft robotics, I'm, I'm more thinking in terms of um, um, service robotics, uh, caretaking uh, for elderly people and so on. Um, and it's well you might think that this is taking over uh, work from from people doing this work right now at the same time of course uh, i see at least in the netherlands and this is probably not mm. a unique situation but, but we see that we have a shortage of people actually uh, wanting to help uh, in, in in healthcare mm. um, at the same time also maybe not having sufficient uh, money as well to pay for all salaries and so on so um, it's not only that, that, that robots could take over uh, jobs of people, it could also uh, well be that, that the robots are going to do things where we currently have not the means for. So in that sense, um, uh, it, it doesn't have to be like a black scenario where, where, where robots are sort of, of uh, stealing our jobs and, and leaving everyone in poverty. Um, on the other question about uh, robots being manufactured uh, in, in mostly in capitalistic systems, I think this is much more of, of, of a problem. Even if you are thinking about, let's say, service robots, um, robots that, that could be used in, inside the house and so on, um, these will probably not be manufactured in, 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 in those fast numbers that we know from, for example, uh, our uh, uh, smartphones and so on meaning that they will, uh, will also be uh, quite expensive and, and not affordable for, for many people to start with. So this is certainly something where I don't think that the technology is helping to bridge the, um, uh, let's say, the, 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 the social gap. Yeah, I agree. So if I ask you, do you think ego is important for the researcher? Well, it will be <laughs> it will be nice to say that this is not true, but of course I, I think it's true. I mean, you see this with with uh, people who are uh, very good at sports. Um, they 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 also. I mean, if you wanna if you wanna do the hard work, there must be times where this hard work is also somehow celebrated, yeah. and this celebration is is most of the time in the form of some kind of. Uh, opportunity that, that 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 helps to 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 build your ego, I guess, uh, like like winning a prize or people uh, uh, celebrating the work that you do or something like that. Getting an invitation for mm. for a um, uh, keynote. These are things that are I think good for the ego and that gives you also the fuel to do all the hard work that is needed. So yes, I think that ego uh, or ego is important uh, for yeah. researchers as well. Yeah. So do you have any robots at your home? And what kind of robot you would imagine if you would like to have? <laughs> I think I'm probably an old-fashioned guy. I don't have a, 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 robotiz a roboticized uh, vacuum cleaner or something or, or, or 
uh, mowing, uh, what's it called, uh, lawn mowing uh, machine. Um, but uh, of course, in a way, our electronic equipment, like like the washing machines and so on, are to some extent you could also say. Well, maybe not a robot, but they are quite default systems as well. Mm. Uh, but other than that, I don't have any any free and autonomous moving uh, um, uh, equipment in my house. Okay. So, which book inspired you, and would you recommend to the millennial people? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm currently reading this uh, uh, book, Homo Sapiens. Mm. Um, which I think is, is, is an amazing book and, and, and uh, opens uh, quite a number of insights um, and, and, and especially on, on how we organize ourselves as, as a um, society. Mm. Um, I think it's, it's a really, really uh, intriguing book and, and um, yeah, so that, yeah. Sounds good. So if I ask you what are the most important qualities for the student uh, graduate student researcher, or maybe also as a researcher in general, what are the most important qualities? Um, well, of course, um, the person should have good academic skills, uh, being very uh, curious about things, being very curious about uh, learning uh, new things, discovering new things. I think that's the most important part. And of course, to do that, you need all kinds of skills. Your, your mathematical skills should be at, at, at a sufficient level. Uh, your, your practical skills in, in dealing with all kinds of practical things should be uh, uh, really at a good level. Um, but I think overall, the most important thing is that you enjoy working on things where you don't know the outcome. Yeah. So where you like to shape things, where your creative part is actually uh, uh, coming into play and you're enjoying making things from nothing um, and, 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 and dreaming of, of, of new things and, 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 and putting your energy and, and your, your skills into it to make things happen. Yeah, great. So what was, what was the best advice was given to you? And was like a life changing, was it personally or professionally, and affecting your work as well? Yeah, well, it was um, about 20 years ago now when I um, um, went actually from a uh, uh, research into nonlinear integrated optics into microelectromechanical systems. Mm -hmm. And I was hesitating because I thought, okay, I don't have the, the right background to do so. And then I talked to uh, the guy who became later my boss, and he said, well, you know, when we are doing microelectromechanical systems, it's actually it's an interdisciplinary field of, of, of work where nobody ever has all the knowledge from all the different uh, disciplines. Mm -hmm. So if you have uh, in, if you have um, expertise in two out of those uh, three that you need, for example, go for it because you are not in a bad place. And um, this is something with which I uh, really still today like a lot uh, in the sense that when you're doing multidisciplinary research mm -hmm. you can't be at the same time a good mechanical engineer and a good electrical engineer and a good physicist and so on you will only be part of that but as long as you are the one who is integrating these things you might actually be in a place which is uh, uh, relatively unique and also in a place where many things can happen so in that sense um, to, to, to sort of summarize that uh, I think it would be something like uh, just try things, although you might not be a specialist in what you're trying to do. Combining the things is, is, uh, is also of, a, of huge importance. Great. So finally, I would like to ask you if you have any final words you'd like to share with the community. Um, 
Good question. Um, mm. <laughs> That's a difficult one. Um, yeah. Okay. If 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 I have one thing that I could could uh, give to the community, I would say that uh, for me, I think it's really important that we sit together with material scientists and 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 people in in more control uh, um, uh, knowledge and so on, because I think that we will have a new world of of all kind of possibilities, which is not going to be uncovered solely by the material scientists, mm -hmm. but where we really need to go the material scientists and the roboticists to go hand in hand to think of all kinds of approaches that can uh, help us to use the new materials, the new possibilities in terms of, of useful uh, control. So um, yeah, th this is something where, where we need people from different disciplines to come to the same uh, subjects and, and work together. Yeah, I can't agree more with that. And at the end, what cost involved IEEE Software Walls CC? I would like to thank you for your time. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thank, Thank you. you for the interview.